So the first chapter of John, we'd like to review just for a minute. We got down through about verse 5. But the introduction that's being given of the Word of God, and that's where the focus of this Scripture is. And I said last time, uh, you know, we've, we've grown up in this way, and certainly we know who he's speaking of. But in the text, as we follow along the Scripture, he's not, he's not said that this is Jesus yet. He's introducing us, you know, you put yourself in John's day. No doubt there were, there were people that maybe were alive when Jesus was on the earth. And if not that, then at the time this was written, there was certainly people whose mom and dad was alive when Jesus... Well, he was just a man. And you know, you know how they spoke of Jesus. He was a carpenter. He was the son of Joseph. His brethren are all here. He didn't have anything. He didn't look like anything. He never amounted to anything. And they crucified him, and then people said he arose. I mean, that's the way people today would would talk about a situation like this. So John doesn't begin with Jesus Christ, the man, but begins with the Word of God from eternity past. The means and the the power of God that brought the world into existence. The means that the light shineth in darkness. In Him was life. The light was the light of men. He was the source of all life the giver of all life. He's the sustainer of all life. And He's the the keeper of all things today as it is. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, I, I believe the text here as you read it, it's clearly pointing to the creation. He's putting the Word of God there at creation, which if you were a Jew... Uh, whether you were a devout Jew or maybe a, a one that lived out in the Greek or Roman world, you were aware of God's mode of creation, and John is putting him there equal with God. That'd be hard for man to see. Remember now, this Jesus, we knew him, and he built houses, and he worked and put stuff together, and and he never had anything, and. And he wasn't handsome. There was no beauty, no comeliness. We knew that man. There wasn't nothing to him. That, wouldn't you say that's the way man thought about the Lord? The man that was alive here. But John says he's eternal and everlasting and from the beginning and equal with God. So in the creation, there was nothing made without him. Everything created was made by Him. Everything that lived from the highest angel to the lowest worm in the earth got received life from Him. And everything is living today through His power. He didn't start the motor and then let it idle on its own. But He started it and He's keeping it running day by day. Man is living moving and having their being in Him. That's all Scripture. And so we're introduced to the Word. And then in in verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. So the beginning of Jesus' ministry here. And in all four Gospels, John the Baptist is mentioned and spoken of. He doesn't say the Baptist here. 
as they do in the other books. And the reason for that is John mentions no other John in his gospel. Himself is unnamed through this scripture. There's only one John. Whereas in the others, they speak of John the apostle. And they speak of him. He's John, the brother of James, or John, the son of Zebedee. And the Baptist, he's spoken of as John Baptist, John the Baptist. But there's no distinction here. This is the only John in the Gospel of John. And it is John the Baptist. And he is the beginning of Jesus Christ's ministry. He's the last prophet. This was the time that you know you read in Galatians, you read in Ephesians, when the fullness of time had come, this was the time that God had set for Jesus' ministry to begin. And He sent a, a messenger before the face of the Lord. So we know John was six to nine months, somewhere in that zone, older than Jesus. And His ministry began before Jesus did. Jesus was alive and living, but he hadn't begun to preach and speak the Word of God when John began. And so John begins preaching, and his message is a message of repentance. You know what he's calling people to the attention of? You're a sinner. You're not going to be able to stand before God in your sins. And his baptism... This was not a baptism of salvation. We'll look at that later on in this chapter. He's going to get to that. But he was pointing them that you have a need. And in order for that need to be met, something has to be done. There must be repentance. There must be a baptism. So there was a man sent from God. So now you've got the Word. You see how the Word was God. Then you've got John who was a man sent from God. Just like the prophets. Moses was a man that was sent from God. I think we're starting to lay out a distinction here between Jesus and John. Remember, there had been 400 silent years. The last prophet up till John the Baptist was about 400 years. No revelation from God Himself. No prophet to speak of. And here in the temple one day is Zechariah. He's doing his duty. He's offering the incense. And the angel of the Lord appears to Zacharias, John's father, and says, you're going to have a son. And Zacharias don't believe it. Him and Elizabeth, they're old. She's been barren her whole life through the healthy years. Sounds like Sarah, doesn't it? Over and over again. Through her healthy years and childbearing years, she wasn't able to have a child. So now he's, he's having a hard time believing. And the angel says, well, you're not going to speak another word till John's born. So here comes Zacharias out of the temple and all the people are gathered there praying and the man can't speak anymore. There's a stir in Jerusalem. You see that? They're talking now. Well, something happened in the temple today. Did you hear what happened in the... And Zacharias, he can't talk. Something scared him to death. Well, Elizabeth winds up pregnant. She brings forth a son. They want to know what to name him. And the angel told Zacharias his name's going to be John. 
That was a name given by God. And so Zacharias, who can't talk, he writes it. His name is John. God opens his mouth at that point and he begins to praise God. He recognizes that this is the time that the Savior is coming to redeem mankind. And he praises God. So there's all of this stir and attention now towards this this baby, John the Baptist, and towards this family, and God's beginning to move. And we, we may be the generation that gets to see the Messiah that's been prophesied of all through the Old Testament. And John begins preaching. John doesn't dress like anybody else dresses. John doesn't eat and drink like anybody else eats and drinks. John doesn't live in the city like everybody else lives. But he's a man with a leathern girdle. He's eating locusts and wild honey. And he's out there in the not, not in the temple preaching. And he's not on the streets preaching. But he's out by the rivers of water in the wilderness preaching repentance for the remission of sins. And the sinners are coming in droves and being baptized. And the Pharisees and scribes and the self-righteous come. And you know, John's message to them is the same. You're a generation of vipers. Repent and be baptized. What's he doing? He's getting my mind. I'm getting in the right mindset that what I need is not a Savior from worldly situations, but I need a Savior from my sin and the wrath of God that abides over me. Man gets sick and he wants a Savior from sickness. Man gets in trouble and he wants a Savior from trouble. But I tell you, it takes the gospel of Jesus Christ and the illuminating Spirit of God to bring a man to the realization that he needs a Savior from the wrath and judgment of God. So this man sent from God, whose name was John, the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. So in Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 3, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Malachi 3 verse 1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Malachi 4 and 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So John was prophesied of. He was going to be, by the plan of God, an integral part in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. In order for Jesus' ministry to come, John had to be there. It had to be that way. If it wasn't that way, then the prophecies would be wrong. This is the way God said it was going to be. So John is fulfilling Scripture. And now what I'd like for you to think about, even even here, is 
It could be easily said, the Lord Jesus, that He ordered His life to fulfill some Scriptures. You see that? So the, the prophecy that... Um, I, I can't even think of one off the top of my head. But you know, you, Matthew says, well, Jesus did this and it fulfilled this prophecy. Jesus took... Here's one. Jesus took the Scripture in Isaiah where Isaiah said He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And Jesus read that in the temple and He said, this day, this Scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And they could say, well, He read that and He intended on fulfilling it and it was Him that done it. You see, you see how that could be? But John the Baptist and His coming is totally separate from Jesus. Jesus couldn't get John the Baptist as a man in the flesh. See, they're accusing Jesus of being a fraud. He's a fake. He's not the real thing. But there's working going on here. And I said last time, Luke, who points to historical reference, you can see things being worked outside of... I mean, before Jesus was born, as He's in the womb the Lord brings together that Caesar is going to tax the world. You've got to go back to your home city in order to be taxed. And here come Joseph and Mary, her nine months pregnant and about to pop, and they journey from where they're living in Nazareth back to Bethlehem to pay this tax to the Roman government. And that's how God got Jesus in Bethlehem where He was born as it was prophesied. Jesus didn't have any control over that. That was brought about by providence and by the plan and hand of God. So John, he's going to be the beginning prophesied of to be Elijah. We'll talk more about that later on because John is going to say he's not Elijah. So he's the forerunner of Christ preparing the way of the Lord. So how do you prepare the way of Jesus? Well, in order for there to be a Savior, there's got to be a need. You've heard that over and over and over again. Man has got to be lost in order to be saved. John the Baptist is preaching repentance. He's preaching guilt of sin. He's preaching you have a need before God. Remember what he told the Pharisees? The axe is laid to the root of the tree. He's got his fan in his hand and he's going to burn the chaff with fire. He's going to thoroughly purge the floor. What's the message of judgment, guilt, the wrath of God? But there's one coming, the Lamb of God, who's going to take away sin. He's pointing to the Savior. So John says here, the same came for a witness. So let's get some of these words. The word witness. John came for a witness. Evidence given. Two, in order that, bear witness, to be a witness, or to testify. So courtroom language. So John the Baptist came for evidence. What's he going to be evidence of? Well, he is going to testify who the Lamb of God is. He's come to bear witness of the light. So the Lord Jesus, He's not going to get up one day and and out of the blue say, 
I'm Jesus. I'm the Son of God. How's Jesus' ministry going to begin? We're going to see it in chapter 1. It's not going to be Jesus getting up and saying it. But Jesus is going to come to John. John's going to baptize him. The Spirit's going to descend out of heaven. The voice of God is going to say, This is my Son. And John the Baptist is going to say, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So that Jesus is not calling any attention to Himself, but He's being bore witness of by others. John is giving evidence that this man is the Son of God. And he's presenting it. It's in the court. In the courtroom. Not the judicial courtroom. Not the court of the Romans. Not Pilate's judgment seat. But in the courtroom of the heart. As man looks on this man Jesus and says, is he really who he says he is? You've got, I I realize the accuser is there. And he's making a case against Jesus. He makes a case against salvation. He makes a case against my guilt. But God's got witnesses. And John is one of those witnesses. This is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He came to bear witness of the light that all men through Him might believe. So in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9, and to make all men see What is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ? So what's Paul doing in the Ephesians? What should the church be doing in Ephesus? What's John the Baptist doing? Now, people take scriptures like this and they say, now see, that says all. That does away with election. That's contrary to the doctrine of election. But I I completely disagree. What does the preacher do today? Well, he preaches the Word to all. You know what my desire is? That everyone would come to the knowledge of the truth. That you all might recognize who the Lamb of God is. Do I have any control over who comes to that knowledge? John the Baptist had no control over who truly came to that knowledge and who did not. But you know what he did? He preached to the harlots and he preached to the publicans and he preached to the sinners and when the Pharisees and the upper class of the religious system came to him, he preached to them as well. He preached it to all men. God sent him to bear witness to everybody that had an ear. And the gospel is to be preached to everyone that has an ear. We're to bear witness of the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason we're to do that is because we've got a God who at any moment is able to turn the light on in their heart and bring them to the Lord Jesus. There's not one that I can cast away as unsavable because it ain't up to them. It ain't what they want to do. I believe exactly what he said about himself because I was there too. I said, I'm not going to do that. I am not going to do that. I will never do that. And I've said that before since he saved me. But I tell you what he did. He turned on the light 
And He brought me to that. So it's to bear witness to all, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. That's Ephesians 3 again. And in, in John here, that all men through Him, so the channel of an act, might believe that is the word to have faith in, upon, to credit, to entrust, to verb. This is faith and action. That there might be an active faith in the life of all men. That was John's mission. Preach the gospel to everyone and bear witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if anybody's going to believe, they're going to come through the gospel. That's the way the Lord set it up and ordered it. But it won't be me and it won't be you that gets them. It'll be the power of God that brings them to that awareness. Did everybody that heard John believe? I mean, wouldn't you say it was a a remnant that believed even John the Baptist? But there are a lot more people heard. He preached to all. So he came to bear witness of the light. He was not that light. So notice light, and over and over again it has been in this text, but it's capitalized. So in the beginning we started as the Word. The Word was capitalized. That's personified. He's speaking about a person in the Godhead. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And now we're talking about the Lord Jesus. El in light is capitalized. We're still referring to the same. It's all tied together. This is the Word of God. John was not this eternal Word. But He was sent to bear witness of that light. He wasn't the source of light. He wasn't the source of life. But He was one sent to give judicial evidence through His witness and testimony of the light that was to come. And so if you don't have any hard evidence per se, you might call some eyewitnesses that saw what went on. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to get up on the stand. They're going to take an oath to tell the truth. And what they say in the courtroom, that's going to be put down as evidence. They gave testimony to what they seen. And John's witness is a testimony in the court of law, under oath if you'll have it, by the witness of the Spirit of God, as to who this light is. So His work continually, He's not bringing man to Him. He's not seeking to grow His ministry. We'll see that in chapter 3. His mission, and He's got a great understanding of what His mission is, it's to point people to the Lord. That people would come to the Lord. That they would look to Him. That they would exalt Him. He's not looking for His own glory. He's looking for the Lord to be looked to by all. His mission, bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So this light gives light to every man. 
And again, we've got another scripture that they say that contradicts your view of election, of the effectual calling. See, he's giving light to every man. Well, I, I, I believe this. In the creation, every man that's ever been born has natural light from the sun, from the moon. They have that light because of the Word of God. I believe that to be the case. And I, I believe this as well. Psalm 19, verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament sheweth His handiwork. So the creation, remember where all of the creation came from. came from the Word. You know what the creation does? It declares the glory of our God. And it reveals His power and His authority. It reveals everything about Him in His power, in creating through Word only, in the, the keeping up. And you know, I, I realize maybe it's, it's the way we would think about it. But the maintenance of it. You got a car, you got a tractor, you got some equipment. You know what there is? There's routine maintenance that's got to be done to keep that thing from breaking down. The maintenance of the world, the upkeep of life and all things that are therein, the creation declares just what kind of power and authority and glory that He has. So there's a general revelation of God without preaching, without the Old Testament, without the New Testament, without the Lord Jesus. If you didn't know anything about any of those, then you could look at what's made. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament sheweth His handiwork. They are bearing witness to the God that created, to the Word as well, but also in conscience. Now man's got something different from a, an animal. Man's, man has a conscience. An animal has no conscience. You know, Siegfried and Roy were the ones that trained those white tigers. I believe that was them. They had them trained. They took care of them. They petted them. They performed with them. And then one day it about bit his head off. That's, there's no conscience. The, the tiger's not thinking, I love this feller and I want to take care of him like me and you would think. No, they've got an instinct. And something happened and that wild instinct came and he had no regret or remorse about what he had done. That was his instinct. But man's different. Man's a spiritual being as well. And man has a conscience. He says, and I've got Scripture to back it up, in Romans chapter 2, verse 14, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, so these are people that do not have the, the moral law of the Old Testament, yet... They do by nature the things contained in the law. These having not the law are a law unto themselves, which shew the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness. Man's got a, a conscience, and he's aware of what's right and what's wrong. Where does that awareness come from? 
I realize if you grow up in church and you're taught the Word, you can say, well, it's based on the Word that I was taught. But you know, these Gentiles here in, in the book of Romans that didn't have the law or didn't know the moral law of God, there's still people that are moral there. Well, God has given them a conscience to make them aware of what's right and what's wrong. Man has an awareness of good and bad because of God Almighty. If, if the devil was left to wreak havoc, there'd be no conscience. You think of somebody that's evil, a, a man that you would say was an evil man. It'd be a man that could do and it never bother him. A man with no conscience. A man that didn't care if it hurt you that didn't care if it hurt your family, that didn't care if it took your life. It didn't matter one way or the other. He had no regret. That's the way the devil is. He's got no conscience. But fallen man, under the control of the devil, still has an awareness of good and bad. Can it be seared? The conscience can be seared with a hot iron. It can be brought to a place without feeling. But it was given by God. So in another place, in Scripture, not only in creation and in conscience, but in the Scriptures that are given. John says, search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. So God has given all of these things. What are the Scriptures? Jesus said, they, they testify of me. It's a revelation of the Word of God that's eternal from the beginning of creation and as far back as you'd like to go. So God's given. Would you not say that every man and every woman that cometh into the world has this revelation of God given to them? They have Scripture available. If you're in the United States, you've got abundance of Scripture available to you to read, to study, to pour over. If you was taking a test, if you was starting a job, if you're going to get your driver's license the first time, and they give you a book, and they say, study that book, your test is going to come from that. You know, you're going to pour over that. Because I, I want my license. I want to be able to drive I want to pass that test. Well, here God's given the revelation of God in the book. You want to know God? Search the Scriptures. There's a revelation in creation. There's a revelation in the conscience of man. And so all of that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Certainly it does. So verse number 10 now notice, you've got to put it all together. I've said before, and I'd, I'd love for you to think about Scripture this way. Don't take a verse as a fortune cookie paper and pull it out of the Scripture. A verse outside of context is a pretext. We've got to look at the whole of Scripture together. So he, 
in verse 9, lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made by Him. And the world knew Him not. Well, He's revealing Himself to everybody. No, He's in the world. And He made everything in the world. And yet the world don't know Him. I believe there's implication here. Remember now, we've still not heard the name Jesus. We've been introduced to John, John the Baptist. We're learning about John's ministry and what he's come to do, but we still don't know who the Word or the light, we don't know who that is yet. We've not been introduced to the man Jesus yet in the Scripture. But you know, was Jesus not in the world even before His incarnation? I mean, you, you go all the way back to Genesis and there's those men that come and speak to Abraham and say, we're going to go down to Sodom. We're going to view the iniquity there. We're going to destroy that place. You've got God speaking, and there's the Word of God. God's going to speak to Moses. Out of the midst of the burning bush, God is speaking. You've got all of the prophets saying, Thus saith the Lord. You've got Joshua looking out as they go into Canaan, and there's the captain of the host of the Lord with his sword drawn. And you look at Abraham as he comes back from rescuing Lot out of Sodom, and there is Melchizedek, a man without beginning of days or end of years. You've got the sacrifices and the temple. You know what all that is? That's all pointing to the Lord, Jesus Christ. And so He was in the world. The world was made by Him. And the world knew Him not. I I believe that fits to the Old Testament days. But it's going to fit to the New Testament day as well when He's there. And it's going to fit to our day also. That Jesus is an active agent in the world. And you live and breathe by Him. He's allowed you to live today. What you've got... He's allowed you to have it. What ability you have, He's gave that to you. What knowledge you've got, He's provided that. If it wasn't for Him, you'd have never been. He brought it all to pass. He's brought you to this day. He's active today in keeping man alive. And yet, the world doesn't know Him. Isn't that the case? He's here. He's working through the Spirit, through the Word of God, through the revelation of creation. He's working in the hearts and in the lives of every man in the world. He's given everybody life. He's kept everybody alive, and yet man does not know Him. Still, through everything that He's done, and through all of the Scripture that He's provided. Man does not know the Lord Jesus in salvation. How in the world can that be? Now it's easy to say, I don't understand how that can be. What a testimony that is to the state of man 
in sin. There's going to have to be, if I'm going to come to God, there's going to have to be more of a revelation than just me reading Scripture, than just me looking at the sun and the mountains, and than just me having a conscience knowing what's right and wrong. I knew I did wrong, but it didn't bother me that much. I knew what the Bible said, but I, I really didn't care all that much about what the Bible said. You know what had to come to me? The revelation of the Holy Spirit of God. Has God give light to every man? Do you have the Bible available to you? Do you have the ability to read it in your own language? Has God give you the, the health and the, the mind and the eyesight to be able to read it? I would say that's revelation. Has God shown you the creation? I mean, He gave you life. We, we don't even need to talk about that. And yet, yet man doesn't know Him. But God's revealing. Verse 10 he was in the world. The world was made by Him. The world knew Him not. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Who's lost? Were you lost at one time? I mean, every man that's ever born is lost at some point in time. And if you're not lost today, then you in times past, you were lost. And you know what state you were in? The gospel was hid. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So there's revelation. There's scripture. There's creation. There's conscience. But that's not enough because man is blind and can't, come, can't see it. Man's held in the bonds of darkness and of sin. And he can't get free from that. So the Lord can come into the world. The very Creator of all things can come into the world and live among men and men not know Him. That Judas Iscariot lived for three and a half years with the Lord Jesus and did not know Him. It happened, didn't it? That people sat at His feet and heard Him speak with an audible voice and saw Him work with His fleshly hands and they didn't know Him. It's because of the blindness of their heart and the work of the devil in their mind. And without a, without a resurrection without an awakening, without the power of God saying, let there be light in them, they'll never see the gospel. 
There is a general revelation. There is a general call. There is a knowledge. I mean, I guarantee you just about everybody on Spring Creek is aware that if you're not saved, you're not going to heaven. Everybody knows that. But you know what everybody is? Everybody's saved. Is that Scripture? No. You know what that is? That's blindness. They're blind. Blinded by the devil. The gospel is hid to them. Matthew eleven twenty seven. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Matthew sixteen seventeen. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. You know, in that text in Matthew 16, he had just finished asking the question of who do men say that I am? And some said, well, you're John the Baptist rose from the dead. Some said, you're Elijah raised from the dead or you're Jeremiah or you're one of the prophets. They didn't know who he was. They're recognizing greatness, but they don't know who he is, do they? But Simon Peter knew who he was. And you can say, well, it's because Simon was there with him. Well, Judas was there too. He didn't know him. So it's not that. You might say, well, Simon Peter was a, he was a smart man and figured it out himself. They said they, he was ignorant and unlearned. That's what they said of Peter. So it wasn't that either. But you know, the Lord answers us why Simon Peter knew when nobody else did. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood's not revealed this unto you, but my Father in heaven has revealed to you who that I am. And that's what the Lord's saying in Matthew 11. No man knows me but the Father, and no man knows the Father but the Son, and he to whom the Son reveals him. There's a work of illumination that must take place in blind men's hearts. It's easy to be pious and righteous and good in ourselves. And it's easy to look down on people and say, I, I don't know why they don't believe it. I don't know why they won't come. I don't know why they won't be saved. Why is it that they're like this? And if you're not careful, that'll lead you to say, I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm glad I did when they didn't do. Boy, that ain't right, is it? That, ain't, that can't be right. The answer to why they can't believe it, why they won't believe it, why they won't come, is because they're blinded by the devil. And if you can see him, if you know who he is today, if you've been redeemed by him, it's because you had him personally, individually revealed to you by the Holy Spirit of God. So it's not of you, it's not of your wisdom, it's not of your ability, but it's by the revelation of God. So in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, one more place and 
And we'll stop. And did all eat of the same spiritual meat, and did all drink of the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now I'm going to real quickly run through this. But Christ being in the world even before incarnation, Paul says in Corinthians plainly that the rock that the children of Israel drank out of, remember Moses came to the rock and he smote it with a rod and the water came out and they came to it again and he was supposed to just speak to it, but he smote it a second time and water came out. God says in the New Testament that that was Jesus following them in the wilderness. That pillar of cloud and pillar of fire that followed them as they marched, that was Jesus. They were all baptized in the Red Sea. But you know what the crowd of them's going to do? I mean, out of the whole crowd, over a million people, no question, there's going to be a handful out of that million people that's going to go into the promised land and enjoy the goodness. And the rest of them are going to die in unbelief in the wilderness. See, the rock was with them. The means of blessing and goodness was with them. They ate bread from heaven. I am the bread of life. They drank the water out of the rock. I am the water of life. They walked under the shade of the cloud. They walked by the light of the fire. And they died in unbelief. He was in the world. The world was made by Him. And the world knew Him not. If it hadn't have been for Him, Pharaoh would have killed them. They would have died in Egypt. Or at the very best, they would have died at the Red Sea. But the truth, without God, they'd have never got out of Egypt. It took plagues to get them out of there. So, recognize this. Man's ability, man's ability is stopped by the blindness of his heart. General revelation and preaching and the church is to spread the gospel to all of mankind. But recognizing this, that Though we preach to all, we know that only those that are illumined and drawn by the Holy Spirit of God, those are the only people that will believe. And if they believe, it's because of the illumination and drawing of God. And that's it. Anything on your heart you'd like to say?